So I gave Barker some homework. As we went into the break, we were talking about what it's like to be in a clubhouse late in the year, and you're not going to the postseason, and it's just it. It's you know, you're. I mean, it's a test of your professionalism. And I asked Kevin because I know Kevin was was called up by the Reds and the Blue Jays in September. You know, if he could, if there was any individual that kind of stuck out as a guy who went out of his way to ensure that the clubhouse stayed together or at least didn't, that, that you, you kept focused as much as you, you humanly could as the season wore on. And Kevin, so I, I gave you that, that, that question and um, it ties in with this postseason because you actually you didn't talk about a player. You talked about a manager who you thought really rose to the occasion in September when, when guys need to be reminded that, you're you're collecting a paycheck. Uh, you've got to make money for yourself and 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 your family. And it doesn't matter what the standings say right now. We still got we got 25 games to play, and we're not going to go 0 and 25. Soccer too. It wasn't it wasn't Gibby. It, it it was Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker when I was with the Reds, you know, had some things going on within his clubhouse with certain players that he was taking care of, and. Yeah, you know, I, I don't. If I remember, like personal correct, things, right? Yeah, yeah. Th- things real were, like real life stuff. Things not that, things that you need some zen, like things that only Dusty could take care of. You know, he calls right. he calls him in the office, and he's got things burning, and and you know, you come in, and the lights are off, and and it's only you and Dusty, and you have a conversation man to man. Which that's why I have tons of time with Dusty. He, Dusty's the only guy that I know that I was in the big leagues with that sent me down that said, you'll be back sooner than later. Now I didn't think it's a day later, <laughs> but he was the guy that looked right at my face and said that. And that's why I got a ton of time for him. But he was the guy that, you know, when, when the manager says my door is always open, he is the, you know, him and uh, Bruce Bochy really stand out to me. The teams that I played for that, that was actually the case that no matter what, no matter what time of the day it was when we were at the field, you could go by his office anytime and walk in and you didn't have to knock and go in and actually have a conversation about anything, life, baseball, curveballs, fastballs in, what this guy's throwing, what he was doing when he was a player and he wasn't laying off the curveball, whatever it was. Because Dusty's been there and done it before. He was one of the guys that I could do that with. Now, the Blue Jays, when I got called up in 2006, I'll say this as nice as I can say it. It was every man for themselves. Like they, There was probably a reason why in 2006 that team wasn't real good. It was just, you know, they were a close-knit bunch, but it wasn't like you could go and, and you know, have conversations about life. And it wasn't really that. It was right. b- more about a bunch of old guys that, quite frankly, you know, the, the season couldn't get over quick enough. And and I say that in the nicest way. I can say it. But but that happens for teams. There's teams like that yeah, every yeah, year. It's, it's, it's baseball. That, that's, you know, not every team's close-knit. Not every team, you know, is all 25 guys that love each other. Uh, 2006 for me wasn't that way. You know, I had some friends. A.J. Burnett was my friend. That's an odd friend for me to have, but he was a friend of mine. Like, I hung out with him a lot, and we had conversations about life and and about pitching and why he wasn't throwing as hard on the road as he did at home. And I always used to say it was the radar gun, and he would throw things at me and yell and scream at me, but that was a little thing. Like, he was the guy for me that needed the same kind of velocity to be successful, and that was sort of the conversations that we would have. But – you know, it's it's uh, it's. I, I think once you get a certain time of your career, and you've been paid, 
I don't know if the clubhouse thing is the first at your list that you need to worry about. It's more about winning and and taking care of yourself and yeah, it's, it's 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 very individual. It's very that's why I said it's just funny that Alex brought that up that he has a young core he can build around, but he needs a guy. He needs a guy that can when he speaks is funny, is likable, and the young guys are going to stop what they're doing and listen, even when they're in the shower. We'll stop the shower, turn off the shower, come out and, you know, have a towel wrapped around them and are going to listen to that guy. I think that's, again, I get back to the Marcus Simeon thing. I don't think, it, for me, it just doesn't sound it's, it's Robbie Ray as much as it is an everyday guy that goes to battle 162 games can say, I played 162 games. This is how you do it. Do it like me. I lead by example on the field and off the field. And it's just interesting to hear a, a top-end GM and president talk about his team and his organization and how he wants to run it. You've always talked about, as a player as well, guys you you would run into that would almost give you kind of tips on how to be a big leaguer. You've talked about Marquise Grissom as a guy like yeah. that. Yeah. Right? This is how you do this. This is yeah. how we do this. This is how you dress. I mean, people are going to – I hope people don't roll their eyes. Again, you got to remember, it's a, it, it's 162 games. It's a long year. You've got guys coming and going, especially now. You've got guys riding the shuttle from AAA, and everybody's mm-hmm. everybody's an independent contractor. Yes, you're a team, but everybody also wants to get paid, and you know, it's nice to be a team and go out and win, but it's nicer when everybody's getting a lot of money yeah, oh yeah. going out and winning. Let's face it, because that's why you do it. Well, that's, well, that's when you're happiest, when, when you're getting paid for something and you think you're bringing something to the table, and they pay you accordingly. You know, it's funny that you you mentioned that when Hazel May did the, the sit-down with Alec Manoa, and he said the first flight he ever went on, he went on with a T-shirt of, of the Grateful Dead and a pair of Nikes, and he said, I thought I was looking sharp and, you know, second to none, and then somebody walked up. I'm like, man, that's not what we do here. We, we, don't, we don't dress like that going on the road. and It's collared shirts. It's, you know, whatever the attire mm-hmm. is, but it's not Grateful, Grateful Dead T-shirts. Yeah, it's, you know, Marquise Grissom would tell me things that you don't usually tell people, like how you act on the on-deck circle tells that pitcher a lot. How many times have you seen a pitcher standing on the mound throwing to a hitter, falls behind an account, and the first thing you see his eyes do, he peeks over to the on-deck circle? And Grip always used to tell me how you hold and, and, and stand and act, even the way you swing your bat with a, with a weight on it, We'll tell that pitcher how you're feeling that day. And it's just little things like that. Like, it's just little things of not being beat on the on-deck circle. We talk about Alec Manoa all the time. Big guy can throw, beats the guy on the on-deck circle. Gripper used to always tell me, don't let that pitcher see that you're beaten that day. Even if you feel, even if you're going through a slump, it's just little things like that. It's little things to make you more successful when you're walking to the plate. And I, I took that because Grip's been there, done it before. He's actually been through it. And what he's been through, he's, you know, set aside the things that didn't work for him. He simplified it. Now he knows what does work for him. And that brings clout. When he talked, I listened. The, uh, boy, there's four games this afternoon uh, on uh, in the playoff schedule. And again, as we said, the Houston-Chicago game is an MLB network game. All the other games are available on Sportsnet. Now, my guess is, looking at the pitching matchups, Kevin, my guess is the Braves and Brewers, that's probably going to be kind of old-school pitching matchups in a way because I think you got Charlie Morton and Corbin. Corbin Burns is, I think, the best pitcher in baseball this year. I think you can make that case. 
Uh, I'm not entirely certain that there's going to be any managerial finagling there. I think if if you're Craig Council and Brian Snicker, if Charlie Morton's cruising into the sixth inning, you're probably going to let him. You're probably going to let him finish it out. Uh, Boston and Tampa will be intriguing uh, because Boston is is just is is such a mess right now in terms of their pitching, and Tampa's Tampa now. They got another rookie going in Shane Boz, and and I would think if you're Kevin Cash. You looked at last night's game and you said, "Boy, if I get that out of Boz and and Drew Rasmussen in Game Three, I, I mean, I'm I'm golden." That's... You, you know what he's saying too. He said he saw those swings that Devers took, and he's like, "Ooh," and JD yes. Martinez will not be a game. Ooh, and I may be able to pitch around Bogarts. Ooh, and that's going to yep. make me that that much easier on a young kid who hasn't made a playoff start. At least he's doing it at home, but then he's got all those things to look forward to. Yeah, just it's made the made the little engine could that much better. We've got uh, the Dodgers and the Giants, and that'll be Logan Webb for the Giants and Walker Bueller cool. for the Dodgers. And I've I've got to think that, uh, you know, anything can happen, right? Look at how Max Scherzer was in that wild card game. But Kevin, I got to think that that Walker Bueller. Now Walker Bueller's had some 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 trouble against the Giants. He was actually the guy that took the loss in the game where the Giants moved into first place for for the rest of the year. But I've got to think that Walker Bueller, even given the injury to, to Clayton Kershaw and given what we saw from uh, from Max Scherzer, again, I think if you're Dave Roberts, you're probably going to play it. You're probably going to play it straight up there and treat Walker Bueller, Logan Webb, who the hell knows, um, who, who knows what you're going to get, what you're going to get from him. But I guess what I'm saying is, bottom line is, I think. It's that Red Sox game where we're going to be keeping an eye on how how the starting pitcher is utilized, because I I think we've seen that uh, for the Red Sox, you know every game is almost a pitching crisis right now, and it was interesting. Chris Sale was asked about this yesterday in his pregame media availability. He was asked about the reality now of being a starting pitcher in the postseason. Nathan Uvalde is a perfect example. The, the last time the Red Sox won the World Series, three games out of the bullpen. Right? I mean, you just you do what you have to do mm-hmm. in order to win. And, and Chris Sale, Lance, I, I want you to play Chris Sale's clip because it, it was interesting hearing him talk about kind of the, the new reality now of being a starting pitcher in the postseason. It doesn't matter. You can be a Cy Young winner. You could be someone going to the Hall of Fame. It's just a different world than it was six years ago. Lance, please play the clip. Chris, given the way that Alex has used starters out of the bullpen in the in the postseason, you have a feel for you physically, if 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 you'd be capable, some some place in between starts of of, uh, of being able to to give an inning or two. Absolutely, um, I think experience helps out a lot in this situation with with the playoffs and the postseason. Um, you know, it's what we did in 18. We, you know, we were we were a little bit more prepared then because we could kind of rest some guys getting into the playoffs. But I mean, there's no reason to save an arm to go sit on the couch. You know what I mean? It, this is all the baseball we have left, and they're you know we're we're going to get to certain points in these series where tomorrow might not come. So um, if that's the case, and it's what's called upon, that's you know it's my job. It's what I signed up to do. You know, I know a lot of people like to think about the glitz and the glam of what it's like being this, but um, you know, the grit and the grind is what we're here for, and this is this is what we actually signed up to do, and this, this is what we live for. So, if it's the first 15, 18, 21 outs, or the last two, three, six, whatever it is, 
we got a bunch of pitchers in there that have the same mindset. It doesn't matter when or where, just hand me the ball and I'm going to sling it until you take it. That was Chris Sale who will start today for the Red Sox uh, against Shane Boz. Chris Sale really scuffled Sunday, and 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 I think a lot of people thought really kind of put kind of put the Red Sox behind the eight ball a little bit. They had to use Eduardo Rodriguez and Nick Pavetta uh, out of the bullpen. But Kevin, there you go. We, we've got postseason. We're so far we've seen Chris Sale and Max Scherzer, two guys with a huge body of work, a massive body of work, being treated. It's it's not they weren't treated with disrespect. But their managers didn't – they weren't going to give them a second chance, I guess is what I'm going to say. Now, maybe in May or June you'd give them a second chance. But you talked about the look on Al- Alex Cora when he went out to get Chris Sale. You talked about how aggressive he was. You know, there's a manager. There's a way you go out and do you, you it. Mean, you mean Nathan Avaldi? Oh, I'm what, sorry, Nathan Avaldi yeah, yeah, was yeah. a wild card game yeah, where no, you knew he was going to yeah, yeah, come out. Look, it's it's different. Third third time through the order, guys coming up that that had success against that guy before. Numbers don't lie. Big sample size. Managers rather take him out a batter before, but than a batter too late. Uh, you know, Chris Sale's a different animal for me. We we talk about Tim Mesa, the ups and downs of when when coming back from Tommy John, the the sore. Can you fight through it? Are you do you have the same mentality of I'm going to let this thing eat? He's a max effort guy. He's not a mechanical guy. He's got a weird arm angle. You know, he's he's a flinger. He's a thrower. Uh, yeah, he's he's relying more on stuff than he is location. Those kind of things. And and can he get past the hump of? When it's not feeling right, okay, I'm going to fight through it. I know I'll be okay. And you have to have some trust in your manager. You got to you got to have that communication back and forth of okay, I'm I'm cruising right along here, but you know it may be a time where if you see the velocity start to go down, that's when you may run out there and get me, no matter what the situation is. But uh, look, it's it's all hands on deck this time of year. AJ Burnett used to always say, "We got ice." He would yell that out loud. Now he would be talking about guys getting hit. But that's never ranked truer than this time of the year when you're when these managers are going to these arms. They're going to use them if they're healthy, plain and simple. And you know you can go ice yourself, you can throw your elbow and whatever you need to throw it in. But if a manager thinks you're good enough to get somebody out, they're going to use you. And no matter what the situation is, and you you know Alex talked about it. It could be the third inning, could be the fourth inning. You can lose it. You can you can had. Separate so much separation between you and that team that you can't come back from from it. So that's the way these guys are going to manage. That's this. In me personally, this time of the year, I think that's the way you should be managing. We've got to talk about Jordan Alvarez. I promised you I'd give you time. We we, we talked about Jordan Alvarez when the Jays faced the Astros, and you know, look, we know what the the Astros that we talked about at the core of that team. They won a World Series. Uh, we we know that. Carlos Correa is going to probably leave. Well, he'll definitely leave this offseason. George Springer left. Mike, Mickey, why do I keep calling him Mickey? Because I keep thinking of mm. Mickey Brantley. Michael Brantley came close last year. And by the way, if you're a Jays fan, what you saw yesterday is why you wanted Michael Brantley on your team this year. And there's a reason the Blue Jays went out to try to sign Michael Brantley. And for whatever reason, it it, it didn't pay off. But Kevin, we, we have to talk about Jordan Alvarez. We don't talk about him en- uh, enough. He had that RBI double yesterday. He added a solo home run in the fifth. Uh, he drew a walk off Lance Lynn. He he was a guy. I mean, he was a guy that Lance Lynn just literally could not get out. Uh, uh, tell me about about Jordan Alvarez. Well, well, he he's left-handed. That that's a big deal because most of the time you're going to face a bunch of right-handed pitchers. 
He's not afraid of the lefty. That makes his manager's job a lot easier because you don't have to match up. You don't have to think about when when you're going to take him out. If they bring a lefty in, he's going to give you a competitive bat. He has tremendous bat speed. He has a great eye at the plate. Uh, he he has somewhat decent plate coverage. Now you know he you can get him out if you make a quality pitch, but that's most guys. Uh, and the one thing that stands out to me that a lot of those guys do have, he has a clean swing. What I mean by a clean swing is there's not a lot of movement to it. There's not a lot of wasted movement that he doesn't need that allows him to, quite frankly, cover a bunch of different pitches, a bunch of different speeds, uh, that allows him to stay in the big part of the field, that allows him to create length with his barrel that I talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. When you have that and – you can take advantage of staying in the big part of the field by by creating backspin. And and when you have balance that they have in that lineup and you can do it with a guy like that, look, that's why for me I picked him to win the World Series because of the reason of the balance, because of the reason of the – you know, Dusty doesn't have to worry about that part of it. He only – only thing that Dusty has to worry about is – you know, don't use your gut so much, your eyes so much about the pitcher or when you're taking them out of who you're bringing in – now, now you won't, you you only have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about the lineup because of the balance in it. Uh, Alvarez is is you could argue top five, top seven best hitters in baseball when he's healthy. That's really what the Jays need, isn't it? They've got a great lineup, but they need that left-handed bat that you just don't have to worry about. That's every it, team in baseball that needs that. The, the, a run producer that that can take the the mindset of the the manager out of it because of the matchups and and all the things that I just mentioned every, every team needs that every team wants that every you know that that's that's wish list but mm-hmm. they don't come around every day that that can actually go up and apply the things that he does with with the with the clean approach and all of those things yeah it's wishful thinking the Jays need that sticking right behind probably George Springer that could do that and and you know we're hoping that uh, maybe a switch hitter could come come here and do that but the Alvarez's of the world come around every 15 years. Like it's just, he does things to baseball, hitting velocity, laying off the strike to ball, breaking ball can hit lefties hitting the middle of the order is an aircraft carrier. Like that doesn't come around every day. Like, yeah, the Alex Anthopoulos is wishing that Ross Atkins is wishing that, but so's every other GM and president. They just don't come around every day. But I think what, what I was getting at is, as good as this Blue Jays lineup is. And uh, you're right, <clears throat> Jordan Alvarez. There isn't a team in baseball that wouldn't be starting Jordan Alvarez. doesn't matter who it is. But I guess what I was getting at is when I watched the Astros yesterday, I realized even more the virtue of having that that balance in your lineup. Even if you're right-handed hitters, George, you're not platooning George Springer. You're not platooning Vladdy or Bo. You're not pinch-hitting lefty-righty for them. You're just not Teoscar you're not going to do that. Marcus Semyon, you're not going to do that. But it's the idea that you have that impactful left-handed bat someplace in the lineup. It yeah. doesn't, you know, you don't have to go lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, or righty, lefty, righty. You don't have to. Just have that left-handed bat so that when you get into the sixth or seventh inning, the manager's looking at his, the other manager's looking at his lineup card and saying, okay, I got him down there. I, I, I got to, whatever I do, I've got to be able to handle him down there. And 
it, to me, it's got to be that lefty because having that impactful lefty in the lineup, at some point in the game, Kevin, it is going to give you the platoon advantage over a hard-throwing right-hander. It just is. Takes all, it doesn't take, matter what the score is. It's going to give you an advantage. Let's, let's, be, let's be quite frank about this. Most managers don't, don't, are, aren't good enough to think that far ahead to be able to match up with certain amount of pitchers. And even when guys are sitting on the bench for two and a half hours to actually come off the bench and have quality at bats. And if you can match up yesterday, Kyle Tucker for the Astros hit seventh. Kyle Tucker, Kyle Tucker, quite frankly, might hit second for the Blue Jays just to add a little balance Mm -hmm. and get the pitcher out of a rhythm and make him do something different. The Blue Jays obviously have a great lineup, but to actually add balance in the way Kyle Tucker can put barrel to baseball, he would might hit second for you to to be able to do that. So, yeah, it's it's for me. You you talk about the Blue Jays and what they need in the offseason. It's the obvious things, but the one glaring thing is balance. Yeah. Make it harder for other manager, managers to try and match up against the Blue Jays will ultimately make them a better team and, and hopefully get them in the playoffs. What are you looking forward to most now in the National League playoffs? Now that the National League is getting going today, and we talked about you'll see the Braves and the, and the Brewers on Sportsnet, and we'll also have that late-night game, uh, Giants and Dodgers, and everybody's, everybody's pointing towards that game. Kevin, I'm... Look, that series intrigues me for a variety of reasons. There's a lot of history behind it, but I'm really going to be watching Walker Bueller for a variety of reasons. First of all, I think Walker Bueller is the best pitcher the Dodgers have. Period. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, not Captain Obvious, but Max. Scher- yeah, Max Scherzer is a great pitcher. I think Walker Bueller right now is a better pitcher than Max Scherzer is. He's, I, I, and, and and Walker Bueller for a young guy, his postseason record's great. He's won five postseason games in a row. I'll take them both, but I think Walker, to your point, I think Walker Bueller can can say, here's my best fastball, see if he can hit it. And I'm not real sure that Max at this time of his career can do that. He's got to add and subtract a little bit. There's got to be some, you know, lack of predict- predictability with, with Max. Max is the first ballot Hall of Famer. You for sure want him in your rotation and in the top end of that, but the, the one thing with the Giants thing is, what, what would the weather do there? San Francisco, it's cold. The wind's blowing in probably from right field, right to left. What's that going to do late in games? Gabe Kapler seems to be in tune with bringing the right pinch hitter in. That 16, 17 home runs as a pitch hitter, what would that do to the Giants? You know, uh, how would the the, the 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 Dodgers combat that? What You know, what would the, what would the bullpen look like for the Dodgers? That would be one of the series. How would the Braves attack the rotation of the, of the of the Brewers? That'll be another one. The Brewers' rotation doesn't give up any homers. I think the rotation this year for the Brewers gave up seventy-seven homers. That's the least in baseball. Yeah, the, tonight's starter gave up gave up seven home yeah, runs. Corbin all, Burns, seven all, home runs. All the and Braves, thirty-four walks. All the Braves thirty-four do, walks. All the Braves do is hit homers. So yeah. how, can they string together a couple of hits? Can they get a bloop and a bomb? That kind of thing. So that'll be one of the things too. I'll, I'll be looking at, but. You know, I, the first game I think will be the most intriguing one will be the Dodgers-Giants because we've never seen it, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we don't know what – there's always a mystery, in the, especially this Giants team, because as much as you follow baseball, I think I'll, I'll put my hand up here. I, I would be lying if I said I watched a great deal of, of, Giants, of Giants games. But, you know, doing a deeper dive into that team, there's a lot of – you know, you look at guys like Mike Yastrzemski and Lamont Wade – uh, a, a guy they got from Minnesota in a in a minor league deal, who you know, Kevin Barker has turned into a, a, a clutch player. I mean, he's got more ninth inning hits to win games and and 
or and or tie games than any player in 40 years, according to Stats Inc. He's a guy who absolutely assaults right-handed pitching. And you know, you look at the at at the way the Giants have set up with no Brandon Belt, and you look at the Dodgers bullpen, which has got right-hander after right-hander after right-hander after right-hander throwing 100 miles an hour. You know, I, I, this is perfect opportunity for the Giants to show everybody what they're made of because it's a perfect opportunity for the Giants to have five or six guys win games for them. You know, not just the court, not just Buster Posey and and Brandon Crawford, but you're going to see the Mike Estremskis and the Lamont Wades and yeah. the, and, and the Solanos yeah, for, have to step up. For me too, I don't think there's a ton of pressure on the Giants. No, nobody expected the Giants to be here. Nobody expected the Giants to have 107 wins. No, no, nobody expected Logan Webb to be any good. Well, go, you're free and easy. You go out there, you throw your best game. You, you try and have the best game plan you can possibly have. If you're Gabe Kapler, do you have a ton of pressure on you? I don't know. There's some pressure because it's the, the Dodgers you're facing. And it's but you, ha- you have home field advantage. Like you yeah. do. Exa- what I'm saying is you don't go outside the box. You don't try to do anything differently than you did in the regular season. You just do the exact same thing. And hopefully that that plays out in you and, and it works because of the – and I too think the the weather is going to come and play too. I know the Dodgers have played in San Francisco and they understand it, but this time of the year it's colder. The wind is a little bit more brisk. Mm-hmm. You know, guys have been sitting over there. They're using heaters, and I, I played in cold weather. It's awful. There's no way. There's no way to 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 game plan for that. You like you're using thicker batting gloves. You're the the pitcher will have the advantage. So that'll something too that'll come into play and. I'm looking forward to seeing all these things and see how it takes place. And, you know, uh, this would be the first time in a while I've rooted against the Dodgers. I'm rooting for the Giants. I really am. I want the Giants yeah, to go I, ahead. I, yeah, I, th- I think it would be. I think it would be a great story. I, I do think it would be a great story to see the, to see the Giants the Giants go on. And, uh, yeah, again, I, just seeing a 107-win team and 106-win team play each other. Um, they might change the just, format because of that. Yeah, it, it's you'll, I mean, you'll hear you'll hear a lot of talk about that. I'm I'm perfectly happy with the format the way it is, but because as I said, I really like the fact that it makes the divisions it makes the divisions important. But uh, it's one of those teams is going to be really disappointed uh, going home with all those wins. And I think for the Dodgers, I think the Dodgers are aware of the fact that. Uh, People are look at that World Series last year and go, yeah, yeah, it's great to win the World Series, mm. but dude, it was a sixty-game regular season. I think the Dodgers are aware that there's some people yeah. looking at them and 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 saying, yeah, that's yeah, you're the champion, but there's a little bit of an asterisk. I there. want the and I want the best two teams in the National League to play each other. Now, would I rather have it in seven-game series? Of course, I would. I think there's more goes into that as a whole. You mm-hmm. got to think your way through it. You got to. Uh, you know, the 25th, 26th guy is going to have to do something in a seven-game series, but they may not have to do in a, in a five-game series. Would I rather see that? But, you know, it's when when we actually get to see it, is that a huge, is that a huge deal? I'm not real sure I'm about that. That's a great way to look at it. You're getting to see them play each you other are. at some point in the playoffs, which to me is a lot better than having the 106 win team lose to Atlanta or something like that, and, and then you're robbed of seeing that. Atlanta's a good team too. The Brewers go are a good team. They got really good pitching and and a really good hitting team. But you know yeah. they're they're not the Giants and the Dodgers this year. I want those two teams playing, and they are playing. Pumped. Mark Topkin is the longtime baseball reporter with the Tampa Bay Times. He's covered the Rays for an eternity. 
The Rays, as we mentioned last, as we mentioned earlier in the show, got a leg up on the Boston Red Sox. They're looking to take a 2 nothing lead in that series today. The Rays are so good that Kevin Barker's actually enjoying watching them play. Not. Something I never. Come on. A little bit. Enjoying them? I, I think they're the best team in the American League. Enjoying them, I'd probably be flipping back and forth if you gave me mm-hmm. an option. That's just me. Mark Topkin joins us next. You're listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Reminder that uh, there will be all four division series games played today. Sportsnet will have three of them. The uh, Astros-White Sox game is an MLB network game, and uh, that'll be followed by Braves and Brewers, Rays and Red Sox, and then uh, Giants and Dodgers will be the late game on Sportsnet. The Rays leading their series, leading their best-of-five series, one nothing after... Last night's 5 nothing win. Uh, everybody talking, of course, about Randy Rosarena's uh, steal of home. And uh, we talked about it with Mr. Barker. And I and, uh, want to bring in Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times into the conversation. Mark, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself today. We, we trust you're doing well. You know, it, it's, I was talking about the fact that Kevin Cash you know, is finally given, not finally given, but is given Randy Rosarina the green light, talking about the way the Rays, the Rays are as a team offensively. And I find it interesting because I almost see, it, it almost seems to me that, you know, we think of the Rays, we think of the team that's going to take Blake Snell out in game six, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. But Mark, it almost seems to me as if Rays players have a little more freedom offensively than maybe we give them we, we give that organization credit for. Is that is that fair or is that you know sort of too simplistic? Um it's probably leaning a little bit more toward the too simplistic side. I mean I think one one thing that you do have and, and the the Toronto connection here is Chad Matolo, the hitting coach, mm-hmm. uh has definitely evolved during his five years here and um actually did a piece on him a couple of weeks ago and, and what just kind of really resonated talking to his bosses, talking to a bunch of the players is he has just, uh, you know, adapted a philosophy where if there's 14 position players, he's got 14 different styles of hitting coaching. And, you know, I think that really lends itself toward allowing guys to be themselves and not, not literally trying to make them all swing the same as, as we know some coaches and fairly famous ones have done over the years, but even just their thought process, their work habits, their, um, their feedback, what they want to get. So I think that allows that individuality from the start. I mean, as far as on the basis, Kevin Cash has always been aggressive. And I think what he was saying last night, and, and my sense of it was more that Randy had been hounding him for the last couple of weeks. Randy got it in his head. He wanted to do 2020. And he had told us about two months ago that once he got to like double digits in homers, his theory was, if you get a homer one day, you got to get a steal the next day or vice versa to try to keep it even. And then he got way ahead in homers. So the last couple of weeks, as Cash alluded to last night, Randy kept asking him, green light, green light, green light, verde, verde, verde. Uh, so he did get the 20th steal on Sunday against the uh, Yankees the last game of the year. So I, I think that was kind of more... Oh, we may have dropped. Uh, we may have dropped, Mark. We'll We'll get him back on the line. Uh, 
we'll we'll attempt to get Mark Topkin back in the line. So Kevin, th- that that is interesting. Chad Matola, somebody you know, I believe. Yeah, I played I, I played with him actually when I was a blue a Blue Jay and. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about Chad. Go ahead, Mark. Please. Uh, sorry about that. We dropped your line. That's right. I thought you had cash on the other line. I was. <laughs> nah, he's he's going to join Wednesday. So go ahead. <laughs> I got you. I got you. No, I mean, I, I think the point that I was making was just that, you know, they have an individual approach, and, and I think, you know, on the basis, it's more of an aggressive approach. Randy was specifically asking for the green light last week. He wanted to get to 2020, but now he's in a situation where I think that was as instinctual as anything last night. I mean, that shift that the Red Sox put on, we've seen other teams do that. In fact, it happened in one of the Rays-Blue Jays games in Dunedin where that, that shortstop is just kind of out there. Does he go to the base or not? The Blue Jays kind of had a little similar situation where Montoya had to move him back over to third because the runner kept, you know, 20 feet, 30 feet lead. So give all the credit to Randy last night, but, you know, I, I don't think he did that against the wishes of the team. I don't know that that was a put-on play as much as, yeah, if you think you have it, go ahead and take it. And then, look, they had a comfortable lead at that point. If that game is 0-0, I'm not sure he gets the green light to do that. Well, when I saw uh, Wander Franco last night uh, have the little stride separation, you know, he gets an athletic position to hit velocity, then he recognizes breaking ball, and he takes that little inside-out swing and hits that – double down the left field line. I'm thinking to myself, oh, no, the Rays have a young guy, a stud to build around for the next however many years. He's turning into something special, huh? Uh, no doubt. And, and the, the, every person you talk to that's seen him play up here with the Rays, they, they rave the first thing at all, Kevin, is the maturity at the plate, the yeah. discipline, the ability, as you just said, to recognize pitches, to adjust, to adapt his swing to lay off, to spoil pitches. I mean, he just, it's been remarkable. He had more, during that 43-game on base streak, he had more hits than he had swing and misses. Mm. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. It's rare when he strikes out. It's definitely rare when he strikes out swinging and missing. Um, you know, he seems to be one of those guys who can hit foul balls when he wants to hit foul balls. And, and like I said, foul tips when he wants to hit foul tips and wait out his pitch. And it's really been impressive for a 20-year-old kid. How will uh, how will Kevin... you? utilize Shane Boz here will, will it basically be the same in, in today's game will it basically be the same thing as we saw with with Shane McClanahan that the combination of scoreboard dictating how he's used and 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 his effectiveness dictating how he's used yeah I mean I think you know as they sat as they sit there this afternoon and draw this up I think you know in a their perfect world Shane Boz would give them five innings uh, allow you know a couple runs or fewer, and then they would turn it over to the bullpen. Much of the last day, one one hidden thing in last night's game, they didn't use any of their best relievers, and they won that game using without using McHugh, without using Kittredge, without using Fairbanks. Fairbanks was up twice, but never came in. So, you know, they they win game one and have their three best relievers uh, still available for game two. Off day tomorrow. Then it'll be a little interesting, too, because they've got Drew Rasmussen for Sunday, uh, but they also have a bullpen day planned for Monday, and they could flip those depending on, you know, 2-0 or 1-1. So it'll be curious to see how they handle that, how much bullpen they use tonight. But I, I do think they are giving Shane Boz the opportunity to go five innings or so. Is Mike Zanino the perfect guy behind the plate for this team? Absolutely. And and it, it's funny, the 30, what is it, 33 homers now and – you know, even mixed in a couple singles. He's, he's done a few things on the bases that have actually really helped them. But that work behind the plate, I mean, the the raves that you hear from the, the pitchers and from the coaching staff and the pitching coach and from Cash is just the ability to nurse these young guys through, 
to adapt. They've used 38 pitchers. Some of these guys were acquired during the season. Some of these guys, Mike, you know, never caught until like they came into a game. There were guys that were brought up from AAA that weren't in big league camp that Zanino was like, hey, my name's Mike. What do you throw? (laughs) And he even told us that he even told us that one of the things he does, I thought it was fascinating. He said that if that in that situation, you know, he meets the guy at the mound and he says, what do you throw? And the guy tells him, he goes, all right, throw one of each during your warmups because he wants to see each pitch. And I thought that was very illustrative of how sophisticated and good of a catcher he is. Okay, I got to ask you something. Did Nelson Cruz bring over the popcorn? So that was the funny story of the night, right? Yeah. So they they have like every other team, they have a, a dietitian and all this. So they have a like a bunch of approved snacks in the dugout, and, and much to all of our surprise, apparently popcorn, according to Nelson, is one of them. Uh, and he said usually it's a Rosarena and Margot that are munching on it. I think it became a little. They were probably a little more demonstrative with it last night. The the uh, metaphor for you know they were watching a good movie, they were watching a good show was pretty easy to make, and and, and one I took certainly in my story today, but. Uh, it was funny, and, and I thought Nelson's answer was great. He's like, you know, I was hungry, man. Usually our games are an hour earlier. I'm having dinner by now. <laughs> Lucky, you know, he's used to that blue the early bird special. He's 42 years old. That's I mean, right. you've got to have food when you're hungry. Hey, when, when you look at – because you've seen all all these the, – the Rays good young pitchers through the years. When you look at McClanahan, Boz, and, and Patino, and, and I'm going to throw Gerasmussen in there as well, Mark – how good could these guys could this rotation be next year or the year after that? Because it, it looks like the Rays are building are building another one of those rotations, doesn't it? And and they did it on the fly. I mean, and, and look, we were all and I, I was you know I'm going to put myself in there leading the chorus of what are you guys thinking? Letting Charlie Morton leave and trading Blake Snell? You just want him. John Romano, our columnist, wrote, "Is it right to raise the the white flag before you raise the pennant?" <laughs> and, and yet they knew what they were doing. They they knew these guys were all on the come here, and they knew these guys would be here. Boz a little quicker. McClanahan, they planned. I wrote this the other day. They, he was supposed to start in AAA. They, you know, and don't forget, AAA started in May this year. So he spent one month at the alt site. Then he was supposed to go to AAA and spend some time there. And then retiring every batter you face in spring training does have some value. So they kind of had that in their mind, and they brought him up the end of April. So don't worry about Durham. Just come up here. And he just said, all right, man, I'm going to be in the rotation. I'm going to be good at it. And then last night gets hurt, and he said to himself, or he told us, he said to himself, i, I got to be the guy now. And, and he is the guy. So pretty remarkable. But, yeah, the, the potential for those guys. And there are a couple of guys coming back from injury. Yanni Chirinos was on a pretty good path. He had Tommy John. He's, he's just about ready now. He obviously won't pitch this year. But he'll be full go for spring training from what they're telling us. So they've got a potential to have five guys, 25 and under, uh, to be in that rotation. And then, you know, you probably still have a veteran, you know, whether you bring back Walker or somebody else, you probably have a veteran around just to add a little bit of influence there. But absolutely, Jeff, they are set up right now to have a young power rotation. I mean, they talk about McClanahan as Blake Snell with, with more stuff. I mean, the four-pitch lefty with the high velo, you just don't see them too many of those guys around, and he might have better stuff than Blake Snell did. There's there's a lot of great things going on with the Rays, obviously, here in the playoffs. Is there one thing that could derail this other than injury? Yeah, I, I still am not sold on this bullpen. Mm. I mean, we, you know, and I mentioned last night, I mentioned that last night they didn't use the top three guys, and I, I'm not sure. I mean, Kittredge was really, really good all year, and then if you go through his game by game, probably six of his last eight, eight outings or five out of his last seven haven't gone well. So I don't know if he's tired or there's something up with him, but 
I would, I mean, if, if, if I was Kevin Cash, which I do not have the cojones to be Kevin Cash <laughs> and some of the decisions he makes, but yeah. my gosh, um, I, one run lead, I McHugh, but he always uses McHugh like in the sixth or seventh of that first high leverage moment. Probably Kittridge. I don't know that I trust any of these other guys. I mean, Fairbanks has been up and down all year. Fire Eisen, the guy they got from the Brewers, pitched the final two last night. I don't know that I trust him. Chargois has been really good early in games, but when they've let him go late in games, hasn't been too pretty. Yeah, they lefty. the only lefty in the bullpen is Josh Fleming, who's a second-year guy, but he was a starter until you know the late August when they said, all right, go down to AAA, learn how to become a one-inning reliever, throw harder. And he did it, and he's looked good in a couple times he's been out there, but I don't know. So I, that would be my answer is I still don't know that I'm sold on this bullpen. David Robertson's down there, the former Yankee and, and White Sox closer. He's down there. They've signed him after the Olympics. Looked okay, but doesn't have the same stuff he used to have. So I, I just don't know. I'm not sure that, you know, it's easy when you're up like they were last night, 4 nothing. you run a couple guys out there. But if they're in some battles and maybe if they get past the Red Sox, it's the next round against the Astros with even a more relentless lineup. But it's going to be some challenges for that bullpen and some games that are not going to be put away with a one or two or even three-run lead maybe late. This being the Rays and this being Kevin Cash, is there a chance we see one of those starters utilized at some point to, in, in a leverage situation? Yeah, and if he does it tonight, I'm going to be really pissed at him because Drew Rasmussen <laughs> is supposed to start on Sunday, and since I've got a 6 a.m. flight, my Sunday features on Drew Rasmussen starting. And he told us Rasmussen would be in the bullpen games one and two if needed. And if he runs it out there tonight, I'm going to be really pissed. I got to come up with a new story. So it better not be tonight. But yes, I think you may. Waka's going to be a little bit of that guy. But he, the guy that is maybe the secret weapon, quote unquote, in this, who could play a huge role, at least they think going forward in the postseason, is Luis Patino. Right. They took him out of the rotation when Bob, they decided, you know, they very astute organization, as, as analytical, as smart as you can get. They saw Boz pitch twice and said, okay, you're starting in the postseason. You're good. <laughs> uh, then, so then they told Patino, you started all year, and we kept telling you we want you to be a starter. You're going to be a reliever now. He throws one side of the bullpen. You look great. You're good. So he's throwing harder now out of the bullpen. He's going to be that swing guy. He's going to be a guy that could come in at a leverage moment and pitch one inning. He could pitch three innings. If they you know, decide to go with the bullpen day in a little modified form, he could start. I think there's Mark gone again. We're gonna let uh, we're gonna let Mark go. We're gonna thank him for it. Mark, thanks so much for your time. Uh, Mark Boffo or Lance, if you're talking to Mark, thank him for us. We'll we'll uh, we'll let him go. It's great insight yeah. as always, uh, Kevin. That uh, yeah that that is you know we talked a little bit about Drew Rasmussen getting the start at Fenway and what could be the well game three in a five game series is always big. You're generally either looking to put it away or or go up. Uh, go up in the series <clears throat> and and one of the reasons they did that is there's a thinking that he is perhaps the most mature of those young guys he's also pitched in Fenway it's where he made his major league debut as a starter he's faced the Red Sox twice had decent numbers against them and he's been you know he's not as highly touted as Boz or 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 McClanahan certainly <clears throat> but he was nails down the stretch for that team. And I remember the day they made the trade, the Willie Adamas trade, right? And mm -hmm. they're getting JP Fire Eyes, and we go, yeah, that's good. Let's take a look at this Rasmussen guy because the end in any raise trade is the one you look at. And Drew Rasmussen is, you know, he, he, he I, I think, and this is Mark's story, I believe you know, he's beaten, he, he's faced the Jays, he's faced the Phillies, he 
faced the Astros. He's faced the Red Sox twice. The Rays didn't pick spots for him. They put him in in uh, in big spots on the road, and yeah. he, he came through. Well, so that's a guy that's getting Fenway against Nate Uvalde right now. Yeah, well, well, you know what he does well? He pitches away to right-handed hitters. We saw him against the Blue Jays. What he do? He had two pitches. He throws it really hard. He can establish a way to both of those. Doesn't have to be with a little bit of a wrinkle in it. It could be a straight heater, but that straight heater is 97, 98. He's the hardest thrower they got. That that's that's the one thing you're looking at, and you go to Fenway. What's that little short porch and left at Fenway Park? So you mm-hmm. establish way to a bunch of right-handed hitters. You force the lefty to inside out a ball over there. You take your chances that way. But it's the race way. That that's why it's you know if you're you're not a fan of the race and you just tuning in. That's why the race frustrates you. Like you just it's just names that they throw out there that you have never heard of before that come in a game and throw a bazillion miles an hour and get the best the best part of the the other team's lineup out when it matters the most and you just walk away scratching your head going should I really root for this team or should I not that's the hard thing with the Rays and you know it's it's again it's it's going to come down to Kevin Cash once Kevin Cash taking the starter out and you know, there will be a time when we go on this show going, and you're even going to have to say it. Why did Kevin Cash do that? That'll be the interesting thing to talk about. You've got a couple of minutes left. Tell me about Chad Matola because Jays fans will remember him. He was a coach here as well, and uh, you played with him. He's, I mean, he was a Blue Jay through and through. What did t- tell me about Chad Matola? Yeah, I, the, the, from what I noticed, uh, you know, I used to hit the cage with him a lot. He he was a yeah, I, I think he bought into some things that worked a lot. He, you know, he he will be a middle guy. He will let the guy do him. He won't try and change him. You know, that that, that thing where they had the cages in the infield, that's the first time I saw Chad Matola mm-hmm. around the Rays where they were trying to hit the ball in the air, don't hit the ball in the ground. Well, that that's a little ridiculous. You want to hit line drives. The more line drives you hit because you got power and because of the way these guys are throwing you, you can create loft that way with your finish. And, you know, he's evolved into being Chad Matola, the hitting coach. That That's not the easiest thing to do. He's a, he was a career minor leaguer. He made, he, you know, he got a cup of coffee at the big league level. He got a taste. He knows what it takes to to fight and claw, which is the raised way. Be a fighter. Be a clawer. You know, do the little things to, to take yourself to the next level. And, you know, him and Kevin Cass seem like they have a really good relationship together. And that's, that's again... You have to have that if you're going to be on the coaching staff with the Rays because they're going to throw odd things at you. They're going to put guys in their lineup that you think, huh, what, really? Why are they doing that? And it seems to work because everybody's buying into an approach and they try and go up and, and apply that. And, you know, Chad, Chad McGottola seems like the, the, the perfect guy for what they're trying to do. All right, what do the Red Sox have to do here to get back in, get back in this series? Chris, Sale has, to p- Chris Sale has to pitch better and – you know, J.D. Martinez might be the X factor in this. Is he playing? Can he play? Can he pinch hit? You know, and again, Alex Cora, what's he going to do? Going, they're, they're, the bullpen's not any good. They're going to have to yeah. use a bunch of starters to to keep them close, keep them in it. Can Devers much, muster up enough to not, not overswing? He's overswinging because he's overcompensating for something that he's having an ailment with this time of the year. Can can he shorten up a little? Stay inside the baseball. Get a good pitch to hit. I J.D. Martinez, can Alexander Bogarts carry their carry their team for a little bit? The gist of that whole thing is you can see a sweep coming. This thing will be over by Monday. You know what? I was thinking of watching that game last night. I'm sure folks in this city, in Toronto, and around the country were thinking of watching that game last night. 
the Jays would give these guys a much tougher fight than the Red Sox. I Absolutely. know that's not fair. The Red Sox, earned the Red Sox it. They got earned the wild it. card. They earned it. They deserve it. But that, yeah. But that's still you're you're seeing that. No, on the flip, you're, you're flip the, the flip side of that, if they had JD Martinez hitting in that lineup, they had a healthy Devers, Xander Bogarts doing their thing. Verdugo gets on base. You know, Chris Sale was the Chris Sale before Tommy John. If they could do all of those kind of things, yeah, he could make a run at this. Their bullpen was more solidified. Alex Cora could line it up a little bit better. Uh, they're, you know, I don't want to say it's a miracle if they if they move on from this thing, but it's about as close to a miracle as you're going to get in the playoffs. That's just me. Yeah, and I mean, I guess the good news for the, the, the Red Sox is they do have Nathan Uvalde lined up for, for game three. So if somehow they can pull this out today and tie the series up, they yeah. will have their best on the mound. And then theoretically, if the series goes longer, I got to think if you're, if, if you're Alex Cora, you will use, you will use Nate Uvalde in a fifth game if you have to. I mean, I know we're looking way ahead, but um, that, that's where that, you know, that, that's where not, where having to win those games Sunday and Monday have really impacted the Red Sox is you didn't get a chance. You didn't get a chance to line your pitching up. You know, you had to go, you had to go, uh, pedal to the metal to get in there. And I, I think that's probably, um, you know, that's probably probably something that's going to come back to bite him right now. Mr. Barker will be back on Tuesday. We're going to take Monday off. In the meantime, enjoy the baseball. Thanks very much. You've been listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.